Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. <clears throat> we are back. Of course, we're back. After an absolutely great win for the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you would have thought that the Cowboys lost yesterday the way that some people are talking about the game. We will talk about it. We will talk about, of course, just some goobers as well. Why not? It's a little bit fun. It's a little bit fun. Do I have some of this stuff? Give me like two seconds. I looked up the lyrics to Love Sosa instead of just like you know, doing what probably everyone does, which is just kind of singing to the melody. I was just like, oh, oh, that's what he's saying. He's the, the God, you're some, God, y'all some broke boys. God, y'all some broke boys. Instead of saying, God, y'all some, I mean, like, it's, it's a great line. I'd pause my music, right? I'd, I'd pause it. I know it's a long, it's, it's been, it's been out for a very, very long time. I know. How did I not know the lyrics? Because it like, Sometimes I just sing the melody. I'm, I'm one of those people. So we'll talk about Dallas. We'll talk about... Jesus Christ. I mean, like, honestly, today's just been people moaning and groaning about the Dallas Cowboys win. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about the win. We'll talk about the games this weekend. I'll give you some injury updates. And I'll also talk about Will Levis, the quarterback out of the University of Kentucky. Right here, ladies and gentlemen, on 24's podcast. And this gracious. Probably. What a great song. I was about to say one of my favorite songs. I think Love Sosa's one of everyone's favorite songs. Okay. <clears throat> I have to like exit a bajillion tabs here. I also have to like reload one of these pages. Okay. Where should we begin the podcast? Probably with the game that everyone is talking about over the last 24 hours everybody is talking about the Dallas Cowboys Thursday night finale thank god Thursday night football is done oh my god I'm so happy so happy before I get on the Cowboys I'll spend like give me two minutes on on Thursday night football what an utter disaster it was for Amazon they were supposed to start Thursday night football next year but 
they paid, I think, more money to be able to start it, to start broadcasting Thursday Night Football this year. It's really, 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 really bad. Really bad. I used to watch it. I used to talk about it the day that it came out. I used to have a Thursday night podcast. It's horrible. It's terrible. Oh my God. There have been so many bad matchups. There have been so many bad games. At this point with Thursday night football, the quality is just way worse than every other game of the week. If I was the NFL, I would just have one Thursday night game and I would try to get into the Saturday night football market. I would just do that. I would interfere with college football. I would do that. Apparently, there's a law that the NFL can't have a monopoly on broadcasting. I would just say I don't. I have one game on one day and I would just do that. I would go to war. I'd be aggressive. Because even though I'm a NFL fan, college football is... Very prominent for certain alumnus. You know, I don't really care that much about college football in relationship to the NFL, but I think the like I think the NFL should probably move into Saturday night because oh my fucking god, these games are bad. Thursday night football, especially for the Cowboys. The Cowboys on a short week. After a huge win, an emotionally exhausting win against their divisional rival, to not only make a statement and say they are still a contender for the one seed in the division, thus thus the one seed in their conference, but also made a statement against one of the best teams in the L, in in the NFL, excuse me, in the Philadelphia Eagles. They made a statement of a game. They won that game, and the reward for winning that game is to go on the road, on a short week, to Tennessee, and play in Tennessee. They get essentially three days to prepare, and boom, they're back at it again. It's like three days, that's half a week. They get half a week to to prepare for one game, and I could tell straight out of the gate that the Cowboys were just emotionally exhausted. They were physically exhausted. They... Really, if they if you had asked a lot of players, hey, would you have wanted to play on Sunday? Every single player would have said yes. They were gassed. They were tired. I don't think it led to mistakes. I think it just led to them not being as juiced up. And they played a good game overall. They played a good game. Was it one of their best games of the month? I don't think so. But they played a good enough game offensively and defensively to be able to beat the Tennessee Titans. And were the Tennessee Titans playing their backups? Absolutely. Absolutely. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter, and I don't care. Nor should you care, and nor should it matter. Because they go from 11 wins to 12 wins, and the freaking Tennessee Titans, they go from 7 wins and 8 losses to 7 wins and 9 losses now. Wins and losses matter, as Dallas and as Dallas and Dak Prescott said yesterday. I'm burping because I drunk some of my liquid death, my sparkling lime liquid death. As Dak Prescott and a lot of Dallas Cowboys said yesterday, a win is a win, and yes, that matters. Winning matters. You play who is on your schedule. You have to. 
Here's the thing. A lot of media members are downplaying the Cowboys, and we'll listen to Kyle Brandt because I just, I love Kyle Brandt so much. I love him so much because he just makes everything easy for me. I like things that are easy. As somebody who has done a lot of difficult things in my life, I like things that are easy, and he just makes things easy for me. At the exact same time, I also dislike Kyle Brandt because I think he's a fraud, I think he's a sham, I think he's a terrible analyst. I just think that he's a joke. However, he makes everything easy for me as an analyst because he's just so bad. But we'll listen to him. But I have thoughts on the Cowboys' long-term situation, right? Long-term this year and the next couple of weeks, and long-term really in the next couple of years. Like the formula for success, how the Cowboys will play, et cetera, et cetera. We'll talk about it all in a couple of minutes. But I just want you to get a, get a nice close picture, just a nice little view into what people are saying in relation to the Cowboys' win last night against the Tennessee Titans. The last two seasons. I, remember, I agree with you. It doesn't mean anything. I don't care that they won 12 games. Yeah. <laughs> You're the Dallas Cowboys. You, you haven't been to a title game since I was in high school. Like, it's great. Good job. Good job. You want to hang a banner for 12 wins? Then you can hang it every year. I, I'm sorry that I'm always so negative, but, like, please change the conversation and do something in the, the next In the playoffs. Yeah. Okay, please. Well, they, I, I, I want it. They got a chance. Uh, we're going to change the topic. Of the so the key word is... You want to you wanna hang a banner for winning 12 games? Just go ahead and do it. <laughs> you guys haven't done anything. You guys want to win? win a, 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 you guys want a banner for 12? No, we, no. Who said we wanted a banner for, for 12 wins? Who said? I didn't say hang a banner. Celebrate the 12 wins. You should celebrate the success, though. You should. Because for the past two years, Dallas has been one of the best teams in the NFL. You should celebrate the wins in the sense of Dallas has been one of the more consistent teams in the NFL, being top of the charts in offense and in defense, creating structure for their football team. And this year they won 12 games. Not this year they have won 12 games. They, I mean, they have one more game left to play. But last year they won 12 games. This year they could potentially win 13, tying the most wins that they have won once again, which was 13 in 2016 and 20, 2007, excuse me. They could have won 14 games if they had beaten the freaking Jags and the Packers, but, you know, like, we're, we're just, we're not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Long story short, Dallas has had an amazing last two seasons, and people wanted to mean them. They want to say, well, pfft, Dallas is just isn't going to win anything, blah, 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 blah. For me, I'm old enough to remember, and I am much, 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 much younger than Kyle Brandt. I'm like, I mean, isn't he like 50 years old? I'm in my 20s. Late 20s. Eh, am I in my, no, I'm, I'm in my late 20s. I'm in my late 20s. I remember a time when the Dallas Cowboys weren't even able to fucking get nine wins. 
There is this four-year stretch where Jason Garrett was the offensive coordinator and the and inevitably became the head coach. Dallas couldn't fucking get it, couldn't get nine wins consistently. We look at these last two seasons of Mike McCarthy, where Mike McCarthy has won 12 games this year, potentially 13 next week, and then 12 games last year. That's 24 wins. Jason Garrett, in his first three seasons as the head coach, went 8-8, eight 8-8, and 8-8. Eight, eight and eight and eight and eight. That's 24 wins in three seasons. Mike McCarthy has that in two. Dallas at the turn of the millennium went 5 and 11, 5 and 11, 5 and 11, then 10 and 6, and then lost in the wild card, and then 6 and 10, 9 and 7, 9 and 7, lost in the divisional round because they went to the playoffs in 2006. And then in 2007, this is, I think, Tony Romo's first year, 13 and 3, one of his first years starting. And then they lost in the divisional round. Point is, Dallas is known not just for a lack of playoff, not just for a lack of, I'm confusing the words here. Dallas has been known for not having success in the playoffs. There we go. That's a proper way to form it. But they are also previously known for not even being able to qualify for the playoffs. They have more seasons where they are not qualifying for the playoffs than qualifying. In the last 22 years, they have eight seasons since the turn of the millennium when it comes to qualifying for the playoffs. Just, hey, we're in with 10 wins, by the way. That is the the 2003 season, the 27 season, the 2009. Why am I saying 27? It's, It's confusing me. The 2009 season. The 2014 season, 2016 season, 18 season, 2021, and 2022 seasons. Those are seasons where the Cowboys have gone to the playoffs with 10 wins. If you want to add in the 2006 season where they won nine games and they somehow went to the playoffs. You can add that season in and make it nine seasons. But half of those seasons, four out of eight or four out of five, if you want to count the the 2007 season, four out of eight or four out of nine, came under Dak Prescott. The last two came with Mike McCarthy as his head coach. Subverting expectations. Where they go from, oh, the Cowboys. Well, I remember, what was it? 2020, before Mike McCarthy came, right? And Jason Garrett was... The horrendous head coach. 2018 was the last time the Dallas Cowboys went to the playoffs. Mike McCarthy got Dak Prescott one year. Dak Prescott gets hurt. And then the last two seasons, qualified for the playoffs. I remember those years where the Cowboys could not consistently beat their divisional opponents. They would lose to the Giants. They would lose to Washington. They would lose to the Eagles. There was a stretch, again, the Jason Garrett first four years where Jason Garrett literally lost every single game at the end of the season for four seasons. Four seasons. Lost every single game. Maybe not every single game, but lost the final game of the season. And the final game was always against 
a divisional opponent because that's how the games went. But even more importantly than that, they would be for the Dallas Cowboys to go to the playoffs. Could you imagine the vitriol that Mike McCarthy would receive if he lost for four years in a row? Games that would qualify them for the playoffs? Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Mike McCarthy losing four games in Dallas in four back-to-back-to-back-to-back years that would qualify for them for the playoffs? And then they wouldn't go to the playoffs? I cannot imagine that at all. Can't imagine it. At all. My point is, and really my point for the last two seasons, I haven't really talked about it this season, is that the Dallas Cowboys have been throwing away traditional narratives that people used to talk about the Cowboys and associate with the Cowboys. And some of them were true, right? The Cowboys never beating the Patriots. They beat the Patriots last year. The Cowboys really struggling in their division. Dak Prescott kind of put an end to that. Dak Prescott has really owned the division before Mike McCarthy came to the Dallas Cowboys, but last year was one of the first years in like 10 years or something like that that the Dallas Cowboys actually swept the division, which is really, really hard to do because you usually phone it in in your last game of the year. You usually just put up your hands and you're just like, okay, deuces, we're out. We're not going to play all of our starters. We're not going to play all of our main guys because we want to preserve them. Dallas went in and they played, who did they play up against? Washington, I think, and they destroyed Washington. And they swept their division. They swept their division when the Eagles went to the playoffs. Dallas was one of the main reasons why the Eagles almost didn't go to the playoffs last year. Which is why the Eagles are so annoyed with the Cowboys. Last year they almost beat Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. This year they got smoked by him. Almost beat Green Bay if their freaking defense doesn't freaking choke. By giving up 14 points in the fourth quarter. But overall, they were in full control over that game. And to be honest with you, I think if they play them again this time around, they'll, they'll win. Which I don't think will happen because Green Bay, let's just be honest. Green Bay's not going into the playoffs. More likely than not, we'll see. But I don't think they are. But this ridiculous notion that Dallas hasn't done anything impressive. That Dallas's win last night wasn't important is ridiculous to me. And the reason why Dallas's win is important is simply put, it keeps them involved in the one seed in the division and in the playoffs. Look, was it a good game for the Dallas Cowboys? I think so. I think so. Their offense once again had a multiple turnover game, three turnovers to be exact. Dak had one horrendous lock, not lost, but one horrendous interception that 1,000% was not his fault. And then he threw a ball that, uh, that was, when I saw it, I was just like, I was groaning. I'm so annoyed. But then he also mishandled a snap, even though a freaking nose tackle lined up in the neutral zone. I, I have no idea how that happens. How guys just don't call neutral zone infractions that are that obvious, but whatever. Three turnovers, and the defense finally did what I wanted the defense to do. Was it against Josh Dobbs and the backup Tennessee Titans? Yes, it kind of was. And by the way, kind of Tennessee Titans in the sense of 
they still played a lot of their starters at wideout, but I also understand that the Tennessee Titans aren't necessarily a uh, a passing team. I get that. But yes, did the Tennessee Titans play a lot of their wide receivers and a lot of uh, not a lot of their starters on defense? Yeah, of course. Did the defense for the Dallas Cowboys kind of beat up on them? Yeah, kind of. Did Dallas' offense start to take advantage? Did Dak have some really awesome throws yesterday as well? Yeah. But let's not pretend that these interceptions and that these turnovers are an indicative uh, are an indication, excuse me, of the Cowboys losing or potentially losing games. The reason why they lost the Jacksonville Jaguars game was because Noah Brown can't freaking catch a catch a crossing route. Like, and by the way, Noah Brown for the last couple of weeks, especially since T.Y. Hilton has gotten to town, it's becoming more and more prevalent that he just cannot catch passes, and that balls just deflect off of his hands. It happens like all the time. It happened on a crossing route where Dak like just for some weird reason started to like like he rolled right or he rolled left and then he like goes down awkwardly and he's holding his knee and I'm like what is going on with Dak Prescott? That doesn't look good at all. Noah Brown drops a pass on the previous play. A ridiculous shallow crosser that went that should have gone for a first down. By the way, TY Hilton had a really really nice game. I would just play him instead of Noah Brown. But Dallas overall offensively with their turnovers doesn't stop them from winning football games. They've had a turnover in almost 10 games straight. They haven't lost except for two games. And the two losses, once again, against Jacksonville wasn't Dak Prescott's fault. It was Noah Brown's. And loss against Green Bay wasn't Dak Prescott's fault. It was everyone. It was the it was freaking Dan Quinn's fault for playing Micah Parsons in an off position. They were up 14 points for everybody that's like Dak Prescott threw two interceptions in the game. Yeah, he did in the first quarter or in the first half. On the second half. Had zero turnovers in the second half. Defense wets the bed. Defense against the Jags, 17 points in the fourth quarter, and then I think 10 in the third. Ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of points scored. Ridiculous. So, look, I'm not saying Dak Prescott is Brett Favre when it comes to arm talent, but when it comes to turnovers, yeah, like, he kind of is. And somebody made the analogy that he is kind of like Brett Favre. In the sense of, yeah, he turns the football over, but it kind of doesn't matter. And to be honest with you, it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Also, by the way, another weird narrative coming out is that Dallas didn't win by like 30 points and somehow that makes Dallas a bad team or makes the win inferior or I don't... I don't under I don't understand what people are talking about when it comes to Dallas and their 14 point victory that covered in Vegas. People, you know what? Just say the truth. Speak the truth, shame the devil. You wanted Dallas to lose. You thought that they were going going to uh, to win, not even not even win. That's not the best way to describe it. You want Dallas to lose. You think that they're going to lose long term and you don't like Dallas. Just say that. 
Just say that. Stop hiding behind these weird narratives. Stop hiding behind trying to be intellectually honest. You're intellectually dishonest. You're lying. Just say that. Instead of, well, ooh, Dallas, Dallas uh, didn't win by 30 points. People were actually saying that post-game on the Amazon show. It was either like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Richard Sherman or Tony Gonzalez were saying, well, Dallas won by 14 points, not 30. That's not good enough. What? What? Come on, guys. You should be better than that. Especially, like, like if we're just going to play this game. If we're going to play the whole, Dallas should have won by 30 points. Dallas is too good. Dallas is this. Dallas is that. I mean, goodness gracious. We can just look at the freaking box score from the last week to two weeks, and we can start asking questions about other teams. For example, Tennessee. Hey, Tennessee, why didn't you beat the Texans? All of their players are backups. All of their players are backups for the most part. And they lost to, to, the, uh, to the Texans, excuse me, with Derrick Henry, by the way. Oh, and if the freaking Titans are so bad, if they're such a bad football team, oh my God, look out the Titans, they're such a bad football team. Why did the freaking Titans barely lose to the Chargers two weeks ago? Right? If the Titans are such a bad football team and they're playing a backup quarterback, oh my God, why, why couldn't Justin Herbert absolutely destroy the Tennessee Titans? The same thing, hell, we can even, we can go stay in, uh, stay in week 16 or week 15. We can talk about it. Why did the Eagles barely beat the Bears 25 to 20? That's not good enough. They should have beaten them by double digits. Why did the Chiefs go into overtime against the Texans 30 to 24? Notice how I didn't talk about these small margins of victories for these respective teams. I didn't say, hmm, there's something wrong with the Chiefs. I said, no, the Texans are competitive. I didn't care that the Eagles lost, or not lost, but barely beat the Bears. They beat the Bears. I'm not one of these people that operates in intellectual dishonesty and has these alternative narratives that they're trying to run and spin, and they're trying to, uh, they're trying to essentially impress upon you. I'm not going to do that. I don't have time to do that. And I and I would I say what I mean. I see uh, I mean what I say. This whole notion of like, oh my god, Dallas didn't win by 30 points is stupid. When literally you have two of the top teams in Philly and the Chiefs going up against two of the worst teams in the NFL in Chicago and the Texans and barely beating the Bears 25 to 20 in the freaking Chiefs going in overtime against the Tennessee not the Tennessee, excuse me, the Houston Texans. Just say you don't like the Cowboys and we can keep it pushing. Just say that. It's okay. It's okay to be biased as long as you admit you're biased. I admit that I'm a Cowboy fan. But do you want to know what? I'm also going to try and be as fair as humanly possible. Jesus fucking Christ. Stop being a coward. I literally saw the halftime show, the broadcast crew for... Thursday Night Football. One thing that I think, I don't know how they did this. I don't know how Amazon did this, but I, I think and I thought that this was great that Amazon did this, that they bring on the guys that play their games, play in their games. Like they, they bring in a player 
from the winning team to come and interview like on this post game show it's a great it's a great thing that they do i don't know why the nfl doesn't do that more the nfl is like on sunday they're just trying to freaking ass blast you with a bajillion football games and they never get to interview the players for more than 30 seconds to a minute so i really do like that amazon will have players on and will have these kind of long form interviews now are the questions very good no to be honest with you they are not but the corniness and the shallowness of the crew of Tony Gonzalez and Richard Sherman and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Andrew Whitworth and Carissa Thompson, they were dogging the Cowboys because I was watching the pregame show. They were dogging the Cowboys pregame. They were dogging the Cowboys postgame. But when the Cowboys, when Dak Prescott came on, they got real quiet. They were dapping up Dak. Hey, Dak, what's going on? That text, my guy. I love Dak. They didn't talk to him about the interceptions because they're cowards. They didn't talk to him about the turnovers because they're cowards. They didn't dare say that the Dallas Cowboys were overrated because they're cowards. They didn't dare say that the Dallas Cowboys were going to lose in the first round of the playoffs because they're cowards. If you think that they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs, then shut the fuck up and say that. Say less. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Just say you, you think that they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. And then I'll freaking come over the top rope and smack you across the face. Because you because you and I both know that that is very stupid. And I'll explain to you why right now. Reason why it's stupid to say that Dallas will just lose in the first round of, of the playoffs. Simply put, they go up against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is terrible. Tampa Bay is God awful. And so if you're a broadcaster, and they're not going to say that because they just they, they don't want to seem unfair and unbiased or whatever, truthfully. Because then nobody will watch them. But Dallas will go up against Tampa Bay. Who is the better team right now? Dallas. Who has the better offensive line right now? Dallas. Who has the better quarterback right now? Dallas. Who has the better defense right now? Dallas. Who has the better head coach right now? Dallas. Who's the better team? Dallas. Oh, but Tom Brady has always beaten them. Well, like I talked about literally maybe 10 to 15 minutes ago, Dallas has a very unique situation or has had a unique situation over the last year to really two years where they kind of defy those traditional expectations. The two years of going and winning 10 plus games since the 1990 dynasty. Winning 12 games minimum in both seasons, which hasn't happened in a very long time. Forget the 90s dynasty. It hasn't happened very, very, very. It hasn't happened really almost ever for the Cowboys. Two back-to-back seasons where they could lead the league in turnovers. Acquiring turnovers, not giving away turnovers. Dallas is kind of known for defying expectations. And this is Tom Brady on his last legs. This is bad Tom Brady. I can't, I, it's hard for me to watch. God, it's hard for me to watch Tom Brady. This is, by the way, Tom Brady, who is 32 of 48 for one touchdown and two interceptions against the Cardinals last week on Monday, not Monday, it was Sunday night football. It was, was it Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday night football on Christmas. Almost ruined my damn Christmas, that game. It was so bad I had, it's like I have PTSD. I have to block that game out, out of my mind. Terrible football game. This is going to be 
One of Tom Brady's worst years ever as a professional. By the way, the game went into overtime against Trace McSorley. Do you think Dak Prescott is better than Trace McSorley, who pretty much threw for 50% against Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay doesn't have any corners. They don't have a guy that can cover CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb, by the way, is having a phenomenal season this year. Phenomenal season. He's one of the top 10 wideouts in the NFL. He may be the best wide receiver in his damn division. And Dallas was just like, it's a little bit too little too late. But Dallas was trying to find ways to get the football to CeeDee Lamb down the right side. And do you want to know what happened? For some weird reason, CeeDee Lamb is able to just pop off 11, 11 catches. Dak Prescott was like, I got to fucking throw this thing to CeeDee Lamb and he's going to bail me out. 11 receptions, 100 yards. How many targets did he get? CeeDee Lamb has been just spectacular this season. He had 14 targets, 11 receptions for a 78.6% catch rate. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're hitting about 60% catch percentage as a wide receiver, you're good. You don't need to go any further. But to hit 78 this week and then 90% against Philly and then 100% against the Jacksonville Jaguars, oh my goodness. I mean, it brings... It, it just makes me all warm and fuzzy inside to see C.D. Lamb just absolutely destroy people. And really, ever since the Green Bay game, he has just been absolutely unstoppable. Unstoppable. And really, ever since Dak Prescott came back to town. Outside of the Washington game where he had 97 yards and the New York Giants game where he had 87 yards, he really never got close to 100 yards. He was either 30 yards, 40 yards, 50 yards away. I mean, you could you could say, well, the 87-yard game against the Giants wasn't 100 yards, and I would agree with you. I mean, it obviously isn't, but you could also say, hey, you know, maybe we'll give him three yards against the Washington game where he had 97. I know these aren't 100%. These obviously aren't 100-yard games, and 100-yard games are important, obviously. But, yes, the, the Giants game and the Commanders game when Dak was hurt, were two games where he came close to 100 yards, but he didn't get it. First 100-yard game, third game that Dak Prescott was back, 15, 15 targets, 11 receptions, 73% catch percentage, 150 yards, ladies and gentlemen. Two touchdowns. That's a Devontae Adams game, by the way. Multiple touchdown game, over, over 100. That, not even over 100. That's not a great description. Two touchdowns, 150 yards. That is, that's Devontae Adams. That's Devontae. CeeDee Lamb has been spectacular. He has been uncoverable. I don't think he has this problem against any team that plays up against the Dallas Cowboys. And I certainly don't think that the turnovers for the Dallas Cowboys are inhibiting their ability to win. Does it suck? Yeah. Do you want to minimize your turnovers? Absolutely. But do I think that it's causing them to lose games? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Anyways, I know Dallas is very, very easy to grab attentions and things of that nature. But Jesus Christ, man. People need to grow up and figure it out. Especially when Dallas is about to beat Philly in Philly more likely than not. And also, they're about to beat Tampa in Tampa, more likely than not. Can't wait for those two games to happen.
Cannot wait. <clears throat> so, let's talk about Will Levis, the University of Kentucky quarterback, who everybody thinks is one of the best players at his position going into the draft. The reason why I'm going to talk about him is that this year there are a lot of implications for teams that want a quarterback. Last year people were like the draft is the draft for quarterbacks is bad. I I disagreed, but okay. This year there is apparently on some people's boards I'm on Pro Football Network's board they believe Will Levis is a first round draft pick. And thank God that they don't think that he's like a top 10 pick which is what he was trending at about a week or two ago. He was just like on their big board. He was just, oh yeah, we're just going to put him. Top 10, I was just like, no. Now they've made another glaring mistake and issue where they've put Anthony Richardson top 10, which is just ridiculous. But with specifically Will Levis, and with just any mistake that I make, I try to recognize that mistake, I acknowledge that mistake, and I try to not repeat said mistake. And so, with Will Levis, University of Kentucky's quarterback, potentially going in the first round, potentially going top 15, I think that's a disgrace. I think people are literally not learning from their actual mistakes that are just glaringly and very obvious. A mistake that I made and that we made as a community, as a draft community, maybe not you, but evaluators in general. Evaluators made literally last year when Zach Wilson gets drafted. I said then, I'll say now, he had spectacular arm talent, but I really didn't know anything about his intangibles. I'm not making that mistake again. I'm not making it again. I don't know anything about Will Levis. I don't know what he's capable of doing, but I'm not just going to watch a guy have a gigantic arm and just be like, he's a top five pick. I'm not going to do that. And again, Zach Wilson, by the way, if we're playing the whole who has a bigger arm, I would, I would say Zach Wilson has a much bigger arm than Will Levis. I would say that Bryce Young and CJ Stroud have bigger arms than Will Levis. He's just a big arm quarterback that doesn't have any accuracy that is lacking significant development as a quarterback and will take a lot of time. And depending on these schools that you come from, I think it matters depending on which area, not area, which team you're going to. Like New York and Utah are different, right? BYU is in Utah. Going from Utah to New York City and being the quarterback of the Jets that's a completely, those are two completely different environments. And Zach Wilson doesn't have the maturity, the emotional intelligence, or just the actual intelligence to be able to adjust to a city like that. And that's why he kind of failed. And then on top of that, I mean, like, yeah, I said, I said emotional maturity and just emotional intelligence as well. It's just like Zach Wilson is just, he's not very smart. He's not very intelligent. Not, yeah, Zach Wilson, I was about to say Will Levis. And I don't know if Zach, not Zach, I don't know if Will Levis is the same. I don't. But I'm not willing to bet on a guy that I've seen three times 
which is a lot, by the way. It's more than most people. I've seen him play like three times. And by I have seen him play three times, actually, I think it's more along the lines four or five. But I'm, I'm being fair. I'm being generous. Seen him play like, I think I just saw his recent bowl game. Or I'm about to see his bowl game. Do I have his, his bowl game recorded? It's either that I'm going to watch his bowl game. I have it recorded, right? College football. I think it's going to happen tomorrow. Hold on. College football. His bowl game. I think this will be my fourth or fifth time watching Zach Wilson play. Yeah, it's going to happen tomorrow. I already have it recorded. Boom. Okay, that's, that's what I thought. I'll watch Will Levis play tomorrow. And I just, I don't see it. I really don't. I haven't seen it over three games of him playing football. I haven't seen the accuracy at the NFL level. I've seen the arm, but that's, that's not good enough. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen a reason why he should be a first-round draft pick. He's like a developmental guy. To be honest with you, I was watching Spencer Rattler play. And I was wondering if Spencer Rattler was an NFL player or not. I think he is. He just needs development and probably some maturation. But I, like, I've loved what I've seen out of Spencer Rattler over the last really month and a half. I would say not two months, but just month and a half. He's, he's really stepped up his game as a quarterback. He looks exactly how I thought he would look at Oklahoma. Spencer Rattler looks great. But Spencer Rattler, he to me is somebody that I have over Will Levis if Spencer Rattler decides. I mean, Spencer Rattler right now on Pro Football Network's big board is the 237th quarterback. I think Spencer Rattler is better adjusted, better developed as a quarterback than Will Levis. And more importantly than that, I think he has more... Of a, I think he has a better understanding of his actual traits and abilities than Will Levis. And Spencer Rattler may go back to college. We'll see. I don't know. But if you want my honest opinion about it, I'm like Spencer Rattler over Will Levis right now. But I would take Spencer Rattler at most in the third round. He's like a fourth round quarterback. I don't understand it. Literally, people are about to make the exact same mistake that they just made with Zach Wilson. So, there you go. I, I just I don't understand it. Finally, for the podcast. By the way, I renewed my HBO Max subscription today. I wanted to watch this movie. This, what is it? What's it called? This Place Sucks. It is by Channel 5, or technically the guy that runs Channel 5. His name is Andrew Callahan. He's a great investigative journalist. And I was super stoked on it, but um, I didn't realize that HBO is actually going to like broadcast the, uh, the documentary. They're going to just, you know, I'm just going to be like, yeah, we're just going to... Uh, to freaking broadcast it on our actual HBO channel. I thought that it was going to come out on HBO Max today. No, it's going to come out on HBO Max tomorrow. And I'm really excited. Or it'll, it'll come out and finish. When, hold on. Let me check it out. Hold on. HBO. Like, when does it come out on HBO? I don't have HBO. I'm just curious about it. Yeah, This Place Rules is like 
an hour-long documentary, and it's going to be broadcasted on, on like 11 o'clock tonight. I can't, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Everybody's so curious. If you are wondering why, it's essentially about the lead-up uh, to the January 6th Capitol riots. It's, it's awesome. It's by a guy by the name of Andrew Callahan, Channel 5. He's just... Andrew's so fucking dope. He's probably one of the best journalists right now. And essentially how he got his start was, I don't even know how he got his start on, he got, he got his start on all gas, no breaks, by the way, which is very, very interesting because if you go to, to a, what is it? If you like, look at the Jets motto, Robert Salah has made his team's motto, all gas, no break. Instead of all gas, no breaks. And the reason why is that all gas, no breaks is trademarked. So he can't, he can't use it. So there you go. That's why, if you're wondering why. Anyways, let's talk about the games for this weekend. And then I'm going to watch that new Sarsha, Sarsha Ronan, Sarsha Ronan, Sarsha Sorsha Ronan in Colin Farrell movie. I've gotten into a lot of murder. Murder mystery. Two seconds. Give me like two seconds. Hold on. Murder mystery. Murder mystery. Hold on. Oh, God. I have not really read a whole lot over the last couple of days. I've been reading comic books because I... I'm reading this very, very disturbing book titled Operation Paperclip. I was making great pot progress, progress and leeway on it. I want to finish it over the next couple of days, to be honest with you. I got to get back into it. It is just incredibly depressing. I've talked about it over the last couple of days. I went to Barnes and Nobles and I just bought some books. And one of the books that I bought that was kind of recommended to me I was like, I want, a, I want a murder mystery book. And one of the, the book ladies was just like, hey, you should read Agatha Christie. And I was like, who's Agatha Christie? Apparently she's like one of the, one of the most popular selling artists or authors ever. I like, look, I didn't read a whole lot as a kid. I, I have a very insular attitude towards reading. Okay. So it's a little bit weird for me and difficult for me to like find certain things uh, for myself when it comes to reading. So I bought this really, really awesome. Barnes and Nobles has these really, really awesome hardback collector edition books. If you're into collecting books, I'm not really into collecting books, but these are like really, really nice, nicely made really collector edition books that Barnes and Nobles makes for like $25. They're really, really cool editions. They're really, really good books. And this one that I have has like, and then there, are an, and then there were none and the crooked house and endless nights in it, endless night in it, which are like three for best books or whatever. So I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe I'll read that. And I've been reading it and I've been, reading the first, like, ten pages, and I'm like, ooh, I'm excited to read the rest of it. So, but I, I'm getting distracted here. I'm like, I have way too much stuff to do. So I gotta read Operation Paperclip before I really get into Agatha Christie, because 
yikes, I, I do not want to read that book about Nazis and how they essentially essentially got away with doing human human trafficking, or not human trafficking, excuse me, just war crimes against humanity and then were given jobs to the United States in order to to compete with the Russians in this the uh, the space race of the 1960s. It's uh, it sucks. It sucks. It's a little bit depressing. But um, yeah, that's uh, that that's a that's learning <laughs> a lot of stuff. It's like oh, this sucks. Anyways. I'm going to finish off today's podcast, and we're also going to have another podcast tomorrow, Music Matters, we're going to talk about. I'm going to finish off the year. It'll be December 31st, so it'll be the final podcast of the year tomorrow. And then we'll just have another podcast the, the next day. I don't take holidays. So we'll be back tomorrow and Sunday. But I wanted to finish off this year musically, and I wanted to talk about some of the albums that I liked, kind of informally, and then we'll look at the Grammys. When are the Grammys? The Grammys this year, because of the pandemic, they got moved back. When are Grammys? They, they're in late January, right? Yeah, February 5th. So that's like the week before the Super Bowl. We'll be able to talk about it. What are the nominees? We'll go over this tomorrow. We'll go over like the nominees and I'm really, really excited, really, really excited for uh, everything. I'm excited for the nominees. I'm excited for, for everything. Okay. Okay. It's so weird how much. I've uh I haven't listened to like I'm looking at so many uh so many so many albums and I'm just like wow I haven't listened to these albums ever but we'll see we'll see what happens I gotta listen to the new Doja Cat album I don't know if it's any good or not but um we'll see we'll see okay so that's tomorrow Grammys Talking about the Grammys. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And for tonight, I can move past some of this other stuff. Oop, that was the app that I needed, but I have another tool. Games going on on Sunday. No more Saturday games until the playoffs because college football is back and college football will have their schedule and their games. Or is there a Saturday game? No, there is not. There's no Saturday games. They're only Sunday, but we will have Saturday games. We will have Sunday games. I remember I have to like potentially do something on the 14th. And this person is just like, hey, can you do this? And I'm like, I didn't realize that. Like, I always miss the playoffs. That sucks. Uh, no, I'll be fine. Going back to the... The playoffs, or not the playoffs, but just this weekend's games. So, and I scroll properly, where are the games? Here we go. So, Cardinals versus Falcons. Cardinals are a non-playoff team. The Falcons are just losers. But I do have the Falcons, ironically enough, the losers. Oh, God, because I, I just, 
I mean, J.J. Watt is playing fantastic. It's his final couple of games, and then he's, you know, off into the distance. But I just, I don't see the Cardinals beating the Falcons. I just, I don't see it. I don't understand how they would. The Falcons are just not very good. To be honest with you, you want my honest opinion? Falcons can't win this game. Fire Arthur Smith out of the season. I'm kind of, I've lost my patience. I'm like, you know what? There are times where it's okay. It's okay to fire your head coach when he's terrible. It's all right. It's okay. And you know what? I'm tired of this guy. I think he's a moron. I think he's a bozo. There is nothing that he adds to that football team, like at all whatsoever. There's nothing that he adds when it comes to the offense, to the defense, to special teams. He adds no structure or ability to the offense or the defense. He has no unique insight or hindsight. He gets Kyle Pitts and Drake London, and he wants to run the shit out of the football with Cordell Patterson. They are too good. They have too many resources. They are too great to be sucking this much. To be honest with you, Ironically enough, I still pick them because I think the Cardinals are worse. It's a battle of who sucks more. And I think the Cardinals suck more. And the Falcons are playing at home. So we'll see what happens. Dolphins at Patriots. I'm picking the Dolphins. Even with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback, I, I think the Patriots are just bad, bad, bad. There was an interesting point in the season where they were potentially playoff contenders, and now they, now they just aren't. Because they are bad, bad, bad. They're terrible and they're a laughing stock and they're a joke. Just give up. Go down. Draft a wide receiver. A, a real wide receiver next year. Or an offensive lineman. Or a wide receiver. Get a wide receiver. There are so many awesome wide receivers in next year's draft. Let me let me do a mock draft here really, really quickly. Hold on. Give me like two seconds. There's like... So many awesome wide receivers in this year's draft. It's like, it's, in, it's insane. It really is. Hold on. Oops, let me, let me refresh the page and let me just have the simulator just do all of their, uh, do everything here. And let me do it fast because they don't. Freaking simulator doesn't do it fast at all. So there's just way too many awesome players for teams to just pass up on at wide receiver. I, I don't understand it at all. Okay, here we go. I have the results. I'm like, there's Kayshawn Bouti who said that he was coming back next year for LSU. I was like, why is he doing that? And then he's just like, oh, I could be a top 15 pick. Let me uh, let me commit to the draft. And he's now back into the draft. Tennessee has him, or the, the simulator has Tennessee drafting him before Jordan Addison, which I think it's kind of a toss-up because I think they're both great. And then Jackson Smith Najigba, that's wrong. He goes to Seattle. They already have two wide receivers, but okay. And there's Josh Downs and the two boys from Tennessee, and thank Christ the simulator got it right. They were like, that... TCU wide receiver that everybody's hot on. He's he's not. Oh no, Quinn jo jo Johnston. Never mind. They're st still super high on him, but he's he's not better than the majority of the wide receivers that are entering into this year's draft. Regardless, my point is is that if you're the Patriots, there are 
so many options that you have to um to help out Mac Jones and you kind of do need to help him out because Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Garrett Wilson are kind of making it hard to for you to have the excuse to essentially be like, yeah, we just don't have any wide receivers. There's not any good wide receivers for our team to go out and get. So just saying. Just saying. Saints out of Eagles. I think this is one of the most important games of the weekend. It's happening in Philly. Jalen Hurts is not playing. Let me speculate on this for a couple of minutes. Jalen Hurts isn't playing in this game. I don't get it. Maybe maybe not. I don't get it. I think he's I think the injury and the recovery is more severe than the Eagles are letting on. He was apparently throwing this weekend. He looked fine. But my issue with playing Jalen Hurts, right? Let's say you come out kind of like the Cowboys did yesterday. You come out with very, very little energy after an emotional game at Philly against a terrible Saints team. I love Chris Olave. I love him to death. I think he could potentially get 1,000 yards in it as a rookie. As a rookie. I think Chris Olave is awesome. I think he got overshadowed by Garrett Wilson. But, I mean, he's only 60 yards away from, uh, from 1,000. And that's with horrendous quarterback play. He's just been the model of consistency. But Chris, even though I love Chris, I just... Andy Dalton is fucking horrifying. I'm not betting against all of those boys on Philadelphia. But if you come out on Sunday... And if you don't freaking destroy the freaking Saints, if you not even destroy, I don't like not by not win by 30 points. But if you don't win against the Saints and if you don't put the Saints away very, very early on, I don't know. I, I have a bad feeling about this game for the Eagles in the sense of I don't think that the Eagles are just going to be able to run away with this game. I think potentially I had a similar feeling about the Bears game where I felt that the Eagles just weren't going to run away against the Bears. And I was actually borderline about to pick the fucking bears to beat the eagles i was i was gonna do it and this is obviously before jalen hurts had his injury god i would have looked really really smart but then i also would have been wrong i would have been like oh like there there's some sense in that but also i'm not gonna do i, I would have been wrong i'm not gonna do that tonight i'm not gonna predict that the eagles lose to the saints because i j- i just think that the saints are just so fucking bad i think more likely than not, the Eagles wrap up their division and the conference here on Sunday, and then Dallas will just get essentially almost two weeks off. They'll warm up. They'll get juiced up. They'll get certain players out there that really can and should be playing, but some other player, like they'll play Dak Prescott for a couple snaps. They'll figure out their offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, against Washington. But um, next week, they won't really care if the Eagles win this week. Or they could just not play a lot of their starters and just go down to Washington and just be like, yeah, we're just going to have a nice little travel game. We'll see what happens. I'm not really sure, but Saints versus Eagles. I think the Eagles win that game, and I think the Eagles take over the conference. Kind of sucks because I was so close to being right. Margins are very slim. Dallas needed to have won 
one of the two games against the Eagles, not the Eagles, excuse me, against the Jags or the Packers. If they won both of those games, they literally would have been the one seed. That sucks, but it is what it is. Small margins, folks. Small margins. We'll see what happens with the Eagles, though. <clears throat> Colts at Giants. I honestly, I still think that the Colts will still hire Jeff Saturday, even though Jeff Saturday has had some pretty horrific losses. There's some rumors about, I mean, it's not rumors. It's more along the lines of like speculation about Jim Harbaugh. But again, I think Jim Irsay has found his guy. I think he's always wanted to hire Jeff Saturday. And I think he will hire him full time. And I think that's his guy. That's his boy. He wants to hire him. But he's not a very good head coach. Brian Dable and Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had a good game. Probably his best game against the Minnesota Vikings last week. It was still not good enough. Especially after Minnesota hits a 61-yard field goal in the game. But I think the Giants in New York. In New York, by the way. That's not a New York accent, but in New York. They beat the Colts. The Colts are bad. I would be kind of shocked. I don't know how the Giants win their games. I mean, like I kind of do. They're scrappy, but they also just don't have the talent long term. It's so weird to watch the Giants play because they just don't have anybody. But then you'll watch them play and you're just like, how do you how do you go up against Minnesota and almost beat Minnesota in Minnesota? I'd like, mm, I don't know. But Giants versus Colts, I'm, I'm picking the Giants. Tampa Bay over the Panthers. This is such an interesting game because the Panthers are kind of close to making it to the playoffs. The reason why the Panthers are kind of close to making it to the playoffs is because the NFC South is terrible. So they could potentially go into Tampa Bay and play spoiler to Tampa Bay, which would make it all the better for Dallas because I think that the Panthers are terrible. But the Panthers are going up against Tampa. And right now... I don't know what the spread is, but I know that Tampa Bay probably like I don't I don't care about the spread. But what I know, like Tampa Bay is favored. Tampa Bay probably should win, but the Panthers are scrappy and Steve Wilkes has kind of been a scrappy head coach. I'll say this. I'm not super excited about Steve Wilkes. I'm not I'm not juiced up about Steve Wilkes. I'm not excited to have him as a head coach. But I think that his name should be thrown around a little bit more as one of the better potentially assistant coaches to potentially, depending on how the next couple of years go, as like an actual head coaching candidate. Again, he gets fired. You don't know who Steve Wilkes is. He gets fired a year after he gets hired in Arizona. Arizona is terrible. They get the number one overall pick. They draft Kyler Murray with it. And that's after they fire him and they hire Cliff Kingsbury. I kind of wonder what would have happened if they had kept Steve Wilkes and if they had gotten a nice offensive coordinator and they had kept it pushing because, I don't know, Carolina is playing like a semi-professional football team. I wouldn't say on the level as Rich Passaccia's team last year where they went to the playoffs the Raiders went to the playoffs last year I'm not saying like that because if it was I 
I, I felt like Rich Bisacci should should have gotten a little bit more consideration for the head coaching job in Las Vegas than, for example, a Josh McDaniels. But I think the same thing for Steve Wilkes, potentially. I'm, I'm getting there. Let me put it to you like this. If Steve Wilkes makes it to the playoffs this year, I would, I would consider hiring him. I would consider it, and I would give him like a two, three-year deal or something like that. And I would be like, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll figure it out, you know? Not just me. But Steve Wilkes, interesting, interesting coach, interesting piece. Todd Bowles is terrible. He is terrible as a head coach. Todd Bowles, head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As soon as they elevated him and not Brian Leftwich, I was concerned. I, I didn't understand it. I was shocked that... It was, it was, to me, very, very obvious that Brian Lefwich was one of the key arbiters for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers nears his success. And I was shocked that he didn't get the job over Todd Bowles, but they wanted, this is my thought process on it, after Bruce Arians retires, they wanted a guy that could just straight up come in and be plug and play. And I felt... Hey, that's wrong. Like their offense has fallen apart. Their defense has gotten exposed. Todd Bowles, we've seen this from Todd Bowles from New York. Todd Bowles is one of the only guys in the New York Jets kind of like brief history over the last 10 years. Maybe not brief history is the best way to describe it, but in the last 10 years, one of the only coaches that's really gotten a fair shot besides for some weird reason, Adam Gase. And he was terrible. He was god-awful. He had awesome defensive players, and he was god-awful. And the team only got better in his absence. I think he's a great coordinator. This, to me, is the reason why he shouldn't get another head coaching job. And probably why Brian Lefwich. And he probably, you know what? He probably kind of fucked over Brian Lefwich. Because Todd Bowles is just not very good, to be honest with you. I think Brian Lefwich is smart. I think he's intelligent. I think he understands what it takes to win, not just offensively, defensively, or even special teams, but I think organizationally. He was looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars as potentially a landing spot for him, and he requested that the GM be fired, which I thought can and should have happened, and the Jacksonville Jaguars said no, and they... Stuck with him, and they gave Christian Kirk a shit ton of money when he definitely didn't deserve it. Maybe not deserve it is the best way to describe it, but when he's definitely not worth it. So, Todd Bowles, we'll see what happens long term with him. Not, not really a big fan of him for that football team long term. We'll see what happens though. Anyways, Tampa Bay is just. Tampa Bay is a very, very weird team. We spent a lot of time on that game. Kansas City at Broncos. Nathaniel Hackett gets fired. Thank Christ. Denver is done for the year. I, I, Kansas City, don't even want to talk about Denver. Kansas City. Bears at Lions. Bears are a terrible football team. Justin Fields has been scrappy for the entirety of the year. He's been consistently scrappy, but they just, like, come on, bro. Like, they're not going to win against <laughs> the fucking Lions. Come on, bro. Browns at Commanders. You know, 
Such an interesting game, this game. Deshaun Watson, coming off of kind of a quiet two-year suspension after being alleged of multiple sexual misconduct allegations by like 20 women. Deshaun Watson has been absolutely fucking terrible. Absolutely fucking terrible. This year, since his return. He has... Really, really nice pieces, really, really nice weapons, offensive pieces, defensive pieces, and Deshaun Watson is fucking terrible. You don't believe me? Check this out. Let me show you something. Last week against the pitiful Saints. Looked like the Saints were about to to walk into a meat grinder with Deshaun Watson, right? Deshaun Watson, 15 of 31, 135, one interception. If you asked me three years ago, where would I put Deshaun Watson? I would, I would have said, oh, I think he's a top five player at his position in the NFL. I thought he was great. Bro. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. He should not be playing this badly. I don't know what's going on with Deshaun. I don't know if it's guilt. I don't know what it is. But he's fucking terrible. The Browns have made a cataclysmic error in trading for him and then giving him a fully fucking guaranteed contract. That's insane. And they have Amari Cooper and Njoku and Nick Chubb is starting to get towards the end of his prime here. He may have, I mean, it may be this year or maybe next year. That's the end of his prime. And then you'll just see diminishing returns. And it's like, Damn, man. They had a shot. I think Cleveland last year, this year, maybe the year before had a shot of being like a real deep playoff contender and a threat in the conference. And I mean, could like consider this like last year, you could have made the argument that they could have and should have been a threat in their own division. And now it's just like, like, look at them. They're a joke, man. Wow. And they will continue to be a joke against the Commanders. Can't wait for that game. Oh my goodness. Jacksonville versus the Houston Texans. Is that a joke? Jacksonville. I've semi-stopped talking about the Houston Texans. Niners at Raiders. Same thing. Josh McDaniels deserves to be fired. He's a joke. Bench Derek Carr. They're playing Jarrett Stidham. What are the games that I'm watching this weekend? Give me like two seconds. NFL football. What are the games? What are the games? So I'm watching Philly versus the Saints. And then I'm going to watch Green Bay versus the Vikings. And then I will be forced, like everybody in America, to watch the shitty fucking Sunday night football game that should be flexed out immediately. Pittsburgh versus the Ravens. Jesus Christ, man. Lamar's not playing. He's hurt. I would encourage the Baltimore Ravens, for the love of Christ, to sign your motherfucking quarterback to a contract this season because holy fucking shit, you guys are kind of shitty without him. And if you think that Tyler Huntley can come in and just play quarterback for you for the next 17 games next year, go ahead and fucking don't sign him. Watch him go to 
a very, very good competitive football team next year. Just let him walk. Let him walk. See what happens. I dare you. I dare you. Can you imagine a team like Seattle, for example, trading Russell Wilson, trading Russell Wilson and then getting Lamar Jackson, potentially? I don't think that's going to happen, but can you imagine something like that happen? That'll shut me up right, right quick. That'll shut me up real quick. Oh, my goodness. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. <clears throat> Anyways. Jets at Seattle. Two kind of overrated teams. I talked about it last week, and even this week, I talked about how the Jets have kind of fumbled the bag when it comes to their chances of going to the playoffs, and they kind of have. They're semi-eliminated from it. They're going to play Mike White. I think Mike White is terrible, and I also think that Jets fans are kind of overestimating his own ability to play the sport of football. So I remember I saw that Jets game, and it was, look, I get it. Zach Wilson, pretty shitty quarterback. Zach Wilson, bust. But you literally cannot boo your quarterback after every single incompletion and expect him to win the football game and then cheer after your backup quarterback has like a three-yard completion or whatever and like doesn't have sustained drives. They didn't score against the Jags on Thursday night football last week, I think. Let me check. Yeah, they didn't. Zach Wilson was responsible of the three points that they had in the entire game. It was so weird to watch. I was like, what is going on here? It was like literally watching 50,000 people just act and be insane for like three hours straight. I was shocked. Shocked. So, anyways. Ridiculous game. Regardless. Vikings at Packers. Uh, God. I don't know the status of Christian Watson. It hasn't been reported. He was out last week, middle of the game against the Dolphins with like a hip injury. Hopefully he's all right. Love Christian Watson. God, man. If the fucking Vikings can't beat the Packers this year. Wow. Such a yikes. Oh my God. But I will pick the Vikings over the Packers because I just, regardless of how the Packers have kind of played over the last month and how they have put together some wins, how many wins have they put together? I mean, it's more along the lines of just, they're in it mathematically. They're in potentially the ability. They can potentially make the playoffs mathematically. Who have they beaten? Yeah, like, come on, guys. What are we doing? They beat the Bears, Dolphins, and Rams. Yeah, Vikings over the Packers. No no shot, no shot. Rams at Chargers, Chargers, Rams are, they're going to play Baker Mayfield. Goodness gracious. Steelers, and, and I know Baker Mayfield has had some good games here, but I, I don't think Baker Mayfield is that good of a quarterback. So, there you go. Steelers at Ravens. Ravens, even without Lamar, with Tyler Huntley, I still think the Ravens are a better football team. And I'm shocked that the Steelers, not even the Steelers, but the Ravens are 
are even still in the playoffs. I mean, technically they are in the playoffs. Technically, and by the way, like by what I mean by technically they are in the playoffs, I mean they are in the playoffs. They've already secured their spot. They have 10 wins. How do they have 10 wins? I don't know. Well, they have 10 wins. They're in the playoffs. This game matters in the course of their divisional uh, their divisional matchup with the Bengals. Bengals, they, I think they got to win the next two games to get the one seed in their division, but we'll see what happens. Ravens at uh, Ravens at Ravens against the Steelers. I think the Ravens take it. Bengals at Bills. Remember how everybody was juiced up about Bills Mafia and Josh Allen and Josh Allen was going to win so many games and he was going to be the MVP of the league. Remember all that that happened this this year. Remember that. And just kind of how irrelevant the Bills have been semi. Maybe not irrelevant. That's not the best way to describe it. But like how the Bills have kind of played over the last month where they just haven't played their best football. And they've kind of started to uh, to fall, specifically Josh. He hasn't played his best. And they've started to now, in my opinion, fall behind the Chiefs and other teams. I don't know how they can fight off the Bengals this weekend. I mean, technically it's on Monday Night Football, but I just... I don't know how they can stave them off. I really don't. Like, they got the freaking Bengals this weekend on Monday night. They got Jamar Chase. They got T. Higgins. Uh, not Lamar. Joe Burrow. They got Joe Mixon. And it's like, I talked about it for about a month. What I talked about when it came to the Bills was just simply put that the Bills... Their best defensive player was Von Miller. And Tredavious White, he can kind of play inside and outside, but he's a slot corner, in my, in my opinion. And he's certainly a mismatch against Jamar Chase. So I don't know how you go up against Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals that are uberly explosive on defense and are good enough at corner where they can maybe not contain Stephon Diggs, but they can slow him down. And they can also provide pass rush against Josh Allen. And I think the Bills' offensive line is overrated. I think it is. And I'm a bit shocked that people still aren't kind of getting this read when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. I think the Bengals beat the Bills this weekend. And I think uh, the Bills are probably second-round elimination. I think they could potentially lose. I Like, here's how here's how I have the teams in the AFC right now. I have... The Chiefs, then the Bengals, and then the Bills right there. Or it's like Bengals, then Chiefs. It's like Bengals, Chiefs are one and two, and maybe in in whatever order you want to have them in. And then it's the Bills, and then potentially the Ravens, if Lamar is playing. And I think the Bengals, not the Bengals, I think the Ravens can beat the Bills in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. Anyways... Kind of like a final final story for this weekend. I'm not happy about the length of the season. I don't like it. It seems like teams are starting to run out of gas. It seems like teams are starting to slow down just in general. And it's because they're just tired emotionally and physically and they just want to get to the playoffs. And in my opinion... It's never a good thing to sac to sacrifice 
top tier games, good games in the playoffs for more regular season games because people will just stop caring about the regular season. Fans and teams, they'll just treat it as if it doesn't really matter. And even the advantages in the postseason do not equate to the rest that you can get and do get if you rest your players. In week 17, teams are just individual matchups. They're just like, yeah, we're resting our players. And it feels like it's because, I guess, there's been two seasons back-to-back of 17 games for every single team in the in the NFL. It feels like it's had more of an effect on teams this year than over the last couple of years, where teams are just like, yep, we're just, we can't do it. We're not playing our guys. We don't feel the need to play our guys, and we'll just, we're moving on. We're not doing the whole, we're going to risk our guys because the NFL added in another game. We will play our guys when we want to. We don't care what the NFL has to say. And it kind of sucks because these last couple of weeks have been terrible. Because we shouldn't be, because technically if this was a 16-game regular season, this would be the final week of the regular season. We just had an awesome week of football when it came to the Dallas Cowboys and their, uh, their win against the Eagles and how big of a win that was, and we would go into our divisional games. But instead of that being the narrative, now we have to play this weekend, and we have to play next weekend for the playoffs to happen. And realistically, teams are going to try and find ways to not play next week if there's no, if their division isn't on the line, if the one seed isn't on the line as well. Teams are going to try and get out of it. It's like skipping school. Like, when I was a senior in high school, I skipped the final two weeks of high school because I was just like, I'm done. I Like, I, I can do it. I have exempted some of my courses, so I literally just didn't show up for two weeks in high school because I could. Why would I? It's kind of like that. It's like, why would I go and play football games when I don't have to when the result is the exact same? So, in my opinion, I don't know. I Like, I, I just... I feel like, I mean, I mean, Jerry Jones is trying to push 18 weeks and 18 regular season freaking thing. I'm like, if I'm, if I'm the NFL, I just, I'm down. I'm like, I, I would revert that shit real quick. I would be like, we need to go back to 16 games. That'll probably never happen, but it should. Anyways, I'm peacing out. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll talk about the Grammy nominations. We'll talk about certain teams will be listening to uh some of the songs as well. I have not heard some of these some of these uh albums at all. I know I probably should have, but it happens. Unfortunately, it's it's kind of how it's happened unfortunately. So anyways, I'm peacing out for tonight. I'll see you tomorrow. 24th podcast.